got something Jesus. Wet. I understand how this is considered cannibalism. Thank you. The substance we receive. Welcome to Tender Subject, the only podcast that wants to eat you out in multiple languages. <laughs> Hello. Incredible. <laughs> That's, I, I tried to do that in my sexiest voice. Um, oh. I'm Kate. My pronouns are she, her, or they, them, dealer's choice. And I'm a visual artist in Philadelphia. Um, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hello, I'm Jay. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm a music librarian in Boston. Uh, we've been doing a lot of art stuff on this podcast. I quite yeah, like we it. do. And we are very excited to have a guest on to talk about this very cool uh, manifesto we're talking about this week. Guest, please introduce yourself so we don't get anything wrong. <laughs> Hello, I am Frank. My pronouns are they, he. I am a Brazilian historian. Uh, working with literature or sci-fi and utopias, which is really yes. cool. Yes. Hell yeah. I, I trust no one with talking about utopias like I trust you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Jay. Thank you. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, so every time a utopia thing comes up, I'm like, I wonder what Frank's... <laughs> <laughs> feel free to ask me. Yes. <laughs> how do you feel about heterotopias? Ooh, it's... um <laughs> Pop quiz question. That was a... But... Yeah, well, the Foucault t-shirt set me off. Oh, that's Truly. my fault. Yeah, Jay is wearing a Foucault t-shirt. This is not a visual medium. This is, uh, <laughs> I know it's a sin. Um, I will do penance somehow. It's okay. I okay. like some Pomo in my life. Maybe not in my malls, I'm but in my- postmodern neo-Marxist over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking all the rules. So we have a super exciting- topic that we want to talk about i'm i'm really excited about because i think it really pushes the boundaries of and and sort of like opens up i think the field and scope of what we can talk about on this podcast when we talk about cannibalism that we're not just talking about like um true crime and like specifically (laughs) yeah like like specific depictions of horror movies though we are also talking about horror movies but Frank, do you want to um, give a little tiny intro on what we're talking I about do. and why? Um, unlike most of the stuff, I mean, this is something entirely out of my field, but extremely exciting. Um, <laughs> we're talking about the 1928 Anthropophagic Manifesto, or Cannibalist Manifesto, as the English version we consulted is, by Oswald Jandragic, who was a Brazilian writer, theorist, novelist, And we're talking about Brazilian modernism, we're talking about cannibalism and conceptual cannibalism and conceptual anthropophagy. And it's extremely exciting. And the more I read into it, because, well, it's it's entirely out of my field, but it's a a huge theme in Brazil for reasons that I'll get into. And it's extremely timely as well, because the last year, uh, the whole thing about modernism in Brazil is usually structured around a narrative and an event of the Modern Art Week of 1922, which celebrated 100 years last year. And as such, a lot of publications, a lot of academic work, a lot of celebration and critique for plenty of good reason, which we will get into. And (laughs) as such, it it also gave me the benefit of like, okay, I can check out some stuff 
like the primo stuff to talk about it. And I rushed through quite a bit. But the more I read, the more I'm like, yeah, this this fits with this podcast perfectly. Like, I am so excited about some stuff I'm going to bring up later. And I'll, I'll take that opportunity to also give a compliment to this show because I, I was listening to the first episode. And I knew the premise, but I was like, when you both said, it's like, oh, we're not going to talk about true crime. I went, yes, absolutely, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Thank yeah, you. just a, a full endorsement of this show. Yeah, it probably keeps us out of the, um, it might keep us out of the number one podcast spot, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> You'll be cooler this way. I'm okay with that. All the perverts and weirdos seem to like us. Yeah, so that's that I true. care more that, about that. Yeah, that's what we care about. I'm so excited about this because this yeah. manifesto slaps. And, so good. Um, I got really into uh, Tarsia mm-hmm. as an artist. I think her work is really cool. And I was very excited to walk around the house saying, Anthropophagia. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm just obsessed with the line, to pee or not to pee. That is the question. <laughs> Like, that's like the only line in the original one that is in English, but it's a, like a pun on... I, yeah. The way it. you said it, I was like, to pee? No, I have to do the iambic pentameter. And then I realized, okay, right, right, right. Yeah, iambic pentameter. I know, I know. It mimics the human heartbeat, you know? Yeah. That's true. I want to ask you both a question before we get into it, because it relates to things I'm going to bring up. Uh, how did you first hear about this or why did you hear about this? So when we were first conceptualizing this podcast um, and also like trying to come up with a title for it, I was reading the Wikipedia page on <laughs> both cannibalism and like cannibalism in humans. Mm. Because then there's a whole big section on like in culture and in literature oh, and whatnot. Right. And it mentioned it in there. Because I was like, is there going to be enough to talk about on this podcast? Or are we just going to do a a couple (laughs) horror movies and then run out of things to say? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, then I saw this and I was like, oh, a manifesto. I'm intrigued. (laughs) Um, And I was like, okay, (laughs) this looks great. We got to do an uh, an episode on this. Yeah, I was like, eh, I mean, I I could definitely like fumble my way through it, but it would be great to have someone like who lives in Brazil, who's from Brazil. And like, you yeah. know, this isn't your necessarily your field, but you're a historian. So you're ob- yeah. you're definitely going to know more than like, I can chime in on some like art theory stuff. But um, I think I just heard about it um, like peripherally mm-hmm. in art. Um, I do love, I love a really dogmatic manifesto in art, like fl- <laughs> the Fluxus manifesto. Mm. Um I think they're just like exciting, you know. Bring back like, manifestos. Yeah, we need more. Like, yeah. I feel like there's no. I mean, this is also obviously a lot of it is like with the benefit of history, you know, like uh, movements get developed. But, um, but yeah, we don't have any manifestos in the art world at the moment, and I think we need we need one. I do Maybe like. We the should real- write one in this podcast. Yeah, yes. the bread yeah. and puppet, why cheap art one is great too. Yeah, that one's yeah. good. Mm. But yeah, no, I I ask because I was reading some of the stuff about this, and you know the traditionally the modernist, and it's they specifically call it like that in Portuguese. They're not modern; they're modernists, and it's formed by a a group of generally five people. 
the most notable ones between the five, one of them is largely not as commented as much, but the the other four are then uh, Tarsila do Amaral, who uh, Kate was mentioning before, wonderful, magnificent visual artist, um, her most famous, which most people probably have seen, which is Abaporu, um, which was printed in the first edition of the Anthropophagic magazine. Um, or I a think sketch it, yeah. Yeah, her uh, work is, is really cool. so gorgeous. <laughs> it's really incredible. I'll like po- I'll post a bunch of it on yes. Twitter, yeah. like when do, this comes do, out, because you know it's like it's very hard to talk about art um, on podcasts sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we have Anita Malfatti, uh, another uh, mostly visual artist. Uh, I'm uh, my specifics are literature, so I don't I don't know much about it. That's you, Kate. Uh, <laughs> On a visual art, and all power combined, like <laughs> which makes this even better as a show. And then we have the uh, the two bigger ones, uh, Mario Gendragi and Oswald Gendragi, who wrote this one. The interesting thing is, Mario became like the canonizing, centralizing figurehead of the movement via both his own intention, and he kind of had this. Uh, the, it, he says so, uh, me- messianic uh, enterprise and effort towards this modernism, that it would be this innovation, this rupture with a particular form uh, of writing and literature, and like, oh, putting down what was this pathetic, feeble copying or, you know, a kind of failed attempt at literature, which wasn't a national Brazilian literature. That was the idea. And Mario became this figurehead and both via the critique and the analysis of the modern art week of 22 which is like the key event uh, notably the text is from 28 so quite some time afterwards as well so building on those ideas but Oswald <laughs> he he was much more irreverent and much more bold and daring as we're going to get into the writing of the anthropophagic manifesto and as such uh, while in the years after the week Mario became this sort of institutionalizing figure, working with like the the state of São Paulo's secretary for culture and education, kind of along those lines. So he was kind of more conciliatory afterwards. Whereas Oswald uh, also became a communist. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know that. I was going to ask about. We can talk about this more, but I was like, this is very close to the Bolshevik Revolution, and I, you know, they're looking at Europe and. And, you know, forming a Brazilian identity. So I was very curious about their political <laughs> ideologies. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, I, I'll definitely mention more on those because it's, it's just very cool. Uh, but to, to kind of drive my point for, I forget, sorry. Um, the thing is, Mario's gen- general literary and, and political work, or shall we say, like cultural work as like, political figure uh was mostly in a kind of internal look so he his masterpiece so to speak or his most famous work is the novel makunaima where is this uh sort of uh, <laughs> trying to find the language and the, the proper translation of words here but it's sort of this mixed figure he is this hero titled makunaima he's this child of an indigenous woman and a black man or something along those lines. And he kind of is supposed to embody a sort of collection and hero of Brazil. But he, the, the subtitle of the novel is like the hero without any character. 
um, character is like this figure thing, like this value system and whatnot. And because there's whole whole question in understanding Brazil of us, like all oh, the free races of you know the indigenous peoples, the black enslaved peoples, and uh, the white colonizers. So th- there's this whole mythos and whole thing about it, which we don't need to get into it. But the point is, Mario's project and general literary work focused inwards. Although, you know, he had this external, this Brazilian uh, idea for the entire country. And we'll get into the caveats of that and Oswald as well. But Oswald's project was much more focused outwards. And in other criticism throughout the 20th century, you'll find um, foreign writers and critics and, and readers finding more contact or being more aware of Oswald than Mario. Hmm. So that's why I, I want to start with that. So it's like quite interesting that this, once again, is kind of proven true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and for, for good reason. So the, I'll, I'll start with the title just to, so to kick us off and uh, you mm-hmm. know, let you both talk as well. Um, I just wanted to give that brief intro and stuff. And then we'll, we'll get into like the, the modernist stuff. And just, there's, just, there's so much going on. So feel yeah. free to stop me. Again, feel free to stop me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the language is, you know, because we, we have the, the two words, both in Portuguese and English. We have cannibalism and have anthropophagy. And anthropophagy is more related to these indigenous practices and, and cultures of actually devouring uh, fallen warriors or fallen peoples or captives and so on. And the, the manifesto uses in Portuguese anthropoph- anthropophagy. So did the magazine afterwards. But the translation uses cannibalist, uh, <laughs> which, again, I given the, the contents and the explicit nature of the text, I'm not sure Oswald would mind, but he, he did chose that word specifically. Um, but anyway. Uh, just right, so it's like a more well. like uh, uh, um, cannibalism has a more negative yeah, connotation exactly. to it than something that describes an actual practice. Like a ritualized had, a ritualized yeah. yeah. Whereas this is the more like savage quote unquote right. version of it. So yeah, I can see what you mean by like, would he mind? Yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely a, a choice. Because yeah. yeah, I was going to ask what you thought of like discussing this in translation as well is something mm-hmm. I would love to speak yeah, about. Yeah, me too. <laughs> because <laughs> the, I don't speak Portuguese. <laughs> and the notations yeah. for this are fantastic, Helpful. I They're think, great. for people who are, <laughs> they are not super well acquainted with Brazilian history. So if anyone wants to read this, the Leslie Berry translation is what we're reading. And um, her footnotes are fantastic. I, I found one gap, though. Because I'm an yes. asshole. <laughs> tell yes. us, oh no! Tell please us. do. Uh, in the notes, there's one point where is the I'll, I'll actually say the line: "We want the Carib Revolution greater than the French Revolution." Carib yeah. there is a very specific word, which in Portuguese is Caraiba, and yeah. Caraiba is this wider sense of both uh, the more violent perceived uh, indigenous peoples in during the times of the the early times of the colonization. And both this sort of generalist approach to the various groups and tribes. So uh, that's just a note or a footnote mm. that isn't there. <laughs> okay. Interesting. 
So I think like, yeah, I mean, just starting with the first line here. Fire that, right out the gate. Absolutely. Yeah. Like <laughs> you want a dogmatic manifesto? Here you go. Cannibalism alone unites us socially, economically, philosophically. Boom. Print it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I'm in already. Mm-hmm. Sign mm-hmm. me up. I agree. Definitely. It's about to be said here. <laughs> yeah. And I guess like. From I mean, you know, feel free to uh, correct me, but um, it seems that a lot of the this like project is sort of um, trying to connect the body and the mind and, you know, that there isn't like a dichotomy. There isn't a Mm -hmm. separation that those two are connected inextricably and that the like sort of digestion and the processing of the body is connected to the digestion of like the intellect or the mind like you can't separate those two things oh yeah yeah and and also that like um the point that like in brazil they thought of it that way until the colonizers showed up and like refracted (laughs) absolutely magic into science and all of these other things like it refracted everything and taxonomized everything and but we wouldn't have like the golden age or the age of reason or everything without things that were happening in brazil is like an argument that yeah so it's like there's this like ouroboros that was so cool yeah i love that that. that's happening is like the other cannibalism thing it's like we are eating what has like has eaten us yeah yeah what's the exact Mm -hmm. line that just makes me go like freak out every time i like every time i've read this um because there's like 16 pages of footnotes um so it's uh i have to i can always edit this out Yeah, I'll I'll find it later. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, continue. No, but I think that's a really good point that it is an Ouroboros. It isn't like a it isn't like a tunnel or something. You know, like it doesn't go in one thing and come out the other end. Like it's always being recycled, and that the people because there's a lot of examples of people who come to Brazil with intentions of colonizing and like. Uh, there's one I think where it's like this guy comes to Brazil and then gets shipwrecked and then like decides to be like he like marries a indigenous person and then like fights for their rights which is pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then like a few other things where it's like you know intentions of colonizing and then like something happens like especially the guy who gets eaten (laughs) (laughs) which is incredible intentions of colonizing and then getting eaten is a really wonderful sense of justice (laughs) it really is it's like yeah Yeah. no you 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 were literally eaten no no law the metaphor is dead it's it's like yeah yeah (laughs) but i really who needs symbolism oh yeah (laughs) you could just eat them exactly but I really like that point because in, in this manifesto, more than in other texts, and, and I'll note Ozod has two manifestos. One is the Brazilwood manifesto uh, before okay. this one, and this one, the anthropophagic one, which is the more sort of the developed ideas of that one and going a bit further in more interesting ways. 
the other one is even more obtuse, if you can believe it, uh, with <laughs> the language and such. But I find it extremely sophisticated in both wanting this national, genuinely, authentically Brazilian effort, but that is not willing to ignore or simply do away with these foreign or external influences. I was going to bring up that of what you thought, because like this kind of sentiment of like, you know, we were like this and then they came in, like it's so easy for that to turn into the like kind of fascistic dreams of an imagined ideal wow. past that never happened. Yes. Wow. And, or, or a like noble <laughs> savage in, indigeneity kind of fetishizing of indigeneity that also again is like imagined or constructed and it's still a very colonial way but this is both it's both like honoring we did have these systems and stuff before fucking europe came over but also its own role in this cycle that like is now intertwined and, and yeah. whatnot. like it didn't seem like it was trying to go back to a past yeah um, but rather acknowledging a, a past that was there and being like, and this is what we're doing now forward or something. Yeah, I, like the generally speaking, like the the modernism at this point was really inspired by European vanguards uh, mm -hmm. and especially futurism. Um, yeah, and uh, <laughs> you mentioned the the possibility of fascistic hmm. zeal. Um, futurism. One, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the the Brazilian fascistic <laughs> movement integralism. Uh, the figurehead of that, Plinio Salgado, uh, also was a part of the this original uh, modernist movement and oh. had text published in the first volume of the Anthropophagic magazine. Wow. Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't as, you know, it's that kind of thing. Like, it's, it's not necessarily going for a political or ideological bend, but of course that's present in a variety of ways. But it was more culturally focused and and then figures like this were present and that's why there's a um afterwards you, you find people with extremely different political careers you mm -hmm. have mario who has this more centralist position more conciliatory and handling these kind of things you have oswald who really radicalized and continued to do so even philosophically uh you have others who became pretty fascistic you had uh catholic conservatives as well which is an extremely wild bend for it uh, for the people involved in this. And you had people who were still and continue to be uh, part of the aristocracy uh, or the, the uh, economic elite of Sao Paulo by then the, you know, the, the growing uh, province. It was a large city by then, but it would become the metropolis that it is today, one of the largest cities in the world, which is extremely terrifying. Um, and I live next to it. Uh, <laughs> but by yeah. then, it wasn't that much. And yeah, it's... Um, uh, what was I saying? <laughs> There's just so much. I'm sorry. Um, but I think to, to what you were mentioning, Jay, that these, how does it connect with like not, uh, at least this text, in not losing itself either way? Like, yeah. I feel like this text really is like the, the golden mean of it of like, okay, we want to do something that is authentically Brazilian. That's something that comes from here, but we, that, we can't go back. It's like that, uh, that sense was, not as much present, like even in the, the fascistic movements, it was like, okay, now we need to establish this. There wasn't that much of like this traditionalist look in parallel. For... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, in peril, <laughs> there were a few other guys in Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> there were a few other figures who, you know, were, had a, like a sort of compromise or wanting that, but it wasn't that big. But even then, it was very futurism, uh, very inspired by Marinetti in that regard, even in the the worst bands. But uh, I like this text because it it's able to do both. I think more than others. Uh, yeah, that it's it, it creates this sort of conciliation. However, I uh, suppose this is a, as good a time as any. Um, the most of the movement, uh, and at least those in São Paulo, were people involved in this aristocracy, um, and they were all white people. And uh, you did not have any indigenous peoples involved for a while. Um, you, you you barely had people from other regions. Like they were in touch. They uh, Manuel Bandeira, who was from Rio, he he had one of his poems read during the week, but he couldn't be there. And it, it the now the, the point about the week and modernism in Brazil is that it became a founding narrative for what would be proper Brazilian literature. Mm. You know, sort of supported by scholarship and the the key figures in uh, literature and history of literature. Um, to, to give an example, the founding father of current uh, Brazilian literature studies he passed away a couple of years ago, Antonio Cândido. Uh, with his seminal text, The Formation of Brazilian Literature. And it, there's several things about that book, but amongst the many things, like it is supported by the sense that it all had to happen and it all had to change and become to become properly Brazilian. It depended on this modernism. So the entire narrative is centered around this and in these manifestations and in Sao Paulo. So it all yeah. starts to feed into each other and create like these divisions between Sao Paulo and Rio, although there were people from Rio involved, um, but they started being cut off from the narrative and other figures that's like, they, uh, they're they not as significant. So that's why uh, from, I don't know, about 40, 50 years, maybe even more, there's been the this push for, you know, it's like, you know, there, there was a lot of work being done in parallel before and afterwards around the country and the week is not summarized by just what happened in Sao Paulo. That's not what modernism in Brazil is, and that's not what contemporary Brazilian literature is. Right, and not what Brazil is generally. Like yes, yes, um, yes. I was going to ask you because there is, you know, the part that says we were never catechized. Uh, we live by a. Uh, uh, I always screw up somnambulistic <laughs> law. Um, we made Christ to be born in Bahia or in Belém de Pará. And I was like, well, is anyone in this organization from Bahia? <laughs> um, you know, because Belém and Bahia are both in the Northeast and they're much poorer and more, um, you know, Bahia is Afro-Brazilian and Belém is right in the, you know, like almost in the Amazon, the mouth to the Amazon, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, significantly less white. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they're invoking these places that bring to mind an image of a Brazilian person that is not actually part of this modernist movement. You know, yeah. that's being talked about, but not part of. Yeah, exactly. Uh, by this point in 28, um, there are a couple of figures more involved with the magazine that are from these various regions or at least had more contact with them. Uh, Urau Bop, uh, who is uh, one of his poems, uh, Cobra Noratu, is mentioned in this text. And mm -hmm. uh, he was like a diplomat and something, and he was uh, 
uh, or a diplomatic figure inside the country. And uh, he, because of political tensions, he was shipped throughout the entire country. So he went to Manaus uh, in the Amazon. He went mm -hmm. to Bahia. I think he went to a variety of different states. Like extremely few people at that time could claim to have seen actually a, a diversity of the country. Right, um, yeah. But generally speaking, you're right. Like it's the, the people from Sao Paulo speaking on behalf of the country or speaking mm -hmm. on behalf of Brazilians and what they're saying is actually Brazilian or not. I mean, one of the most obvious things about, and especially about the narrative later, is that if the founding of Brazilian literature is after Brazilian modernism, then uh, you're going to cut off extremely important people uh, that were, came before, like Machado de Assis, who was from Rio and who has a colossal amount of work, and it is magnificent. Like, uh, it's, I, I cannot recommend people enough to read Machado de Assis. Uh, he's just really good. And, and there is a, a, a magnificent portrait of uh, 19th century Brazil in all its intricacies, and especially slavery, which a lot of people didn't talk about. Machado right. is black, yeah. by the way, uh, which is worth mentioning, especially this being an audio podcast. But yeah, works like Posthumous Memories of Brass Cubas and so on. Um, these were outside of the canon of Brazilian, proper Brazilian literature. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of issues there, and he's not the only one, but he's just the more the most egregious example of what you cut off. And you know, it's it it continued to be that, and I think that's what's worst about it. That when talking about modernism and so on, it, it would at best, at least from this dominating narrative of São Paulo and the weak of being focused on oh what is São Paulo doing and, and this is the others may be parallel but they're not as important as the São Paulo one and that's there comes the effort to sort of st stand against that and clash with this dominant narrative uh, because you know Brazil is a fucking continent pretty much yeah it's really it's absolutely gigantic <laughs> yeah it um I was going to say, it reminds me a little bit of, um, so at least in the United States, um, this is probably true elsewhere, but at least in the United States with um, our relationship to indigeneity mm -hmm. um, within um, leftist politics mm. in how we tend to very much like this manifesto kind of cannibalize the idea of a pre-colonial indigenous mm -hmm. society and holding that up as this is automatically all good, and then all the colonialism is bad, which it is, the colonialism is bad. But as <laughs> in, like, everything about this culture is good, and everything about this culture is bad, mm -hmm. and we should always, we, we should return back to this imagined, monolithic, indigenous way. But I'm like, the United States is also fucking huge. And there's a lot of different indigenous cultures who themselves have shifted over time because they were here for fucking ever. So yeah. like, it's something we sort of posture on mm -hmm. the left as well as a mm -hmm. way to talk about how destructive and bad colonialism is and sort of the sort of like Christian European value set that came over. But I, I feel like doing that kind of posturing of indigeneity is also not great because then it gets to this point of oh well i'm i can't criticize that even if it might be 
bad because then mm-hmm. I'm, I'm white and I can't criticize it, right? Uh, and it's like it keeps people from being actually accountable and active within these discussions that we're having. Yeah. And instead just forming this idea of, oh, well, before Europe got here, things were yeah. like this and that's good. Um, so I, I, I thought it was interesting the way that like even in 1928 on a completely different continent, like that <laughs> kind of, oh, what was here before Europe was, this was here. Okay. Europe bad, colonialism bad, this good. Let's, you know, let's latch onto this. And like, I don't think that's like a terrible impulse to do. Oh yeah. And I think it's pretty well done. It is. In, in mm-hmm. here, like it doesn't feel noble savagey. Oh no, that, that's, if that's that makes exact. sense. No, it does because yeah. there's a reference in this text as well where he mentions mm-hmm. uh, José de Alencar. And Alencar yeah. published a lot of stuff which was this sort of noble savage or uh, the opera, uh, right? indigenous. Yes. Um, and uh, his most uh, famous work on that is about this uh, fake uh, invented indigenous woman called, uh, as titled the novel, Irasema, which... If you've paid attention, it's an anagram for America. Oh, oh, I remember this. Yeah, now that just made me remember this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yes. uh, in that novel, it's like, oh, but this is what our now our our future will be in connection with these noble figures from our past, which will. And uh, Oswald is like, well, if we want to do that, let's talk about cannibalism. Let's talk about anthropophagy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like instead of imagining the noble savage. Just Let's talk about savage. what's actually happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's that sort of like, oh, they're going to call us this. Let's do it. Fine. Let's just be that then. You know, let's prove all of their worst fears and assumptions correct. Yeah. yeah. I mean, leave, that reminds we'll fucking me. fucking lean into it, you know? <laughs> I mean, honestly, that reminds me of conversations that we have had on this podcast a few times about um, not leaning into the... Um, the like representation of queer people as like normal family um middle class you know bourgeois like we just want to live in a it, we want to live in a suburban home just like all these straight people you know that like hey if we let's talk about this like maybe we are cannibals maybe we are freaks like you know you want to call me a freak or a demon I'm yeah, worse than I you am. can even imagine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Like, let's push Do that. See, so yeah, let's let's fig- let's like pull at that and you know see what comes out. And there's like a reverence to it in this. Like, it, I feel like it's not just doing it for like shock value. Like, oh. there is like a deep reverence to like how this sort of like both actual existing like ritualized cannibalism that is being like sort of mainly referenced in this manifesto and like how that is like portrayed it's both this sort of like yeah and but also without it being um it respects it yeah a lot as well like it sees that it's not just oh this is the thing that bucks against the capitalist colonialism that in and of itself is something to be revered and respected and maybe practiced or, or or what have you like it's its own thing it doesn't just exist yeah exactly. in contrast to european colonialism yeah i think it's it's noteworthy as well because 
but I, I think you're absolutely right because what in, in in context like what this text is also trying to do is like okay so what will actually be Brazilian what will actually be national national about this and as a choice it is anthropophagy it is this devouring and that mm-hmm. is and it's not just oh this is what we did or that was what was done no that is what we do that was what we must continue to do mm-hmm. so that's what why. Uh, this text, uh, amongst others, is the, one of the most provocative and most interesting today still, and it is still noteworthy to talk about it because it's sort of the most daring, I think. That's like, this is what we can do, and this is what we should do, and this is what it, it's truly up for us to engage with and to engage with with these foreign cultures, with these European works and products. It's like, it's not about, and that's why it's key, right? It's not ignoring. It's like, yeah, no, let's devour them. In, in the sense of the word, it's like, you know, we'll devour and digest it and create something new out of it. And They're going to bring all that culture here? Fine, let's see what we do with it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And it's hilarious because I, I was mentioning, right, like these seminal figures in, in Brazilian literature, his, history of literature, and that uh, do this literary criticism and, and created the, and cemented these narratives. Uh, Antonio Candido himself, when talking about Oswald years later, um, and, and, you know, talking about his narrative and so on, because he's a couple of generations after. And he is extremely <laughs> soft about it. And he re- he does not, he's like, oh, what Oswald was talking about is like a, an absorption or something. He doesn't use devour. It's like, and, and one of the books I read is very much like, well, he, he, but that's not what Oswald was saying. Why, there's a distinction there. There's like, it's, it's softened, but that's not exactly what was going on in the text. And it was yeah. the strongest. And this way, it's like, yeah, no, this is perfect for this podcast. I already knew it was, but it, <laughs> it, it's even better. Because it it's such a strong idea that there's a, a recoiling from it. And that's good. It is good. I think that's like a really, I mean, manifestos like are called that for a reason. Yeah. You know, yeah. it'd be interesting to, you know, like just look at like, this in contrast to like the cyborg manifesto or you know which is like, my favorite thing yeah, of all I, mean, I love the cyborg they manifesto are, they are they have to have a strong you know like intent they cannot be soft They're, you triggered my yeah. Donna Haraway alarm any, sorry yeah oh wait it's uh, we have a, a Deleuze alarm and a Donna Haraway alarm <laughs> So nice. we have to we have to find like some sort of soundboard that's I'll, I'll like, get voice Wah! model promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, manifesto cannot be soft, you know. It's it's the same as like um, you know, if you acquiesce to liberals, they, you know, you're if you're starting in the middle, you're starting in the center, it's just going to get worse. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have to start with a, a like the most strong um language, I think. And, and like, I was going to say not to be crass, but actually to be explicitly crass, absorption means like, oh, I'm going to bring it into myself and it's going to become part of me and it's going to be integrated. To cannibalize, to devour means to eat something, which you will then take all the nutrients of this culture or whatever you're taking into your body and then you're going to digest it and shit it out. Yeah, you shit all the bad parts out. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like that is the explicit thing here is like we are going to take Everything here, we're going to ritually consume all of this thing that you were forced upon us, and then we will show you exactly what we did. It. <laughs> yeah, precisely. I yeah. mean, I'll uh, as a quick reference to Oswald, and it's like how he, what he did, and like how this fits in. Uh, it's from one of the books that I got. It's um, 
the modernist ideology, the week of 22 and its um, sacralization, so to speak. Uh, it's in Portuguese, but, you know, want to source my references. Oswald <laughs> <laughs> um, was marked by producing irreverent, caustic, critical work, but also self-critical, uh, mocking iconoclast with strokes of genius and uh, an internationalist perspective absolutely central to his convictions. To him, it was reserved the role of infidel, of incontrollable, that fits well to an irresponsible leftist position, the enfant terrible of the family. Love him. I love, I love this him. guy. I love him. Like Big Stan. Yeah. Oswald Stan. This is an <laughs> Oswald podcast now. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's funny because he so he published this in twenty eight, and in thirty three he joined officially the Brazilian Communist Party of the time, and because also noteworthy, the party's foundation was in twenty two, so momentous date as well. Fuck yeah! And <laughs> he was with the party for a couple of years and kind of eh, didn't really gel well with it as a political party, but he didn't abandon like his beliefs. Like, Oh no, I was wrong. I was like, Hey, I was naive. They, these things happen. Um, and then he went in like French philosophy, reading like Sartre and Beauvoir. Hmm. And he, he ended up developing like this utopian thought, um, and thinking, continually thinking about anthropophagy, like that became central and an idea of like matriarchy and, and whatnot. And Yeah. Go on, Jay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I should. I sh I, we should do the light, like the the library punk rules, where it's like when I get excited and want to say something, I do the hand raisey thing, so you yeah. can keep going, but know yes. that I have to say something when you're done. <laughs> but you don't have to acknowledge me. That's just so I can get my yayas out and, <laughs> and not interrupt you. But um, that reminded me of something I wanted to focus on in this was the um, at least in like the the way the English translation does it, but like it's. T uh, explained in the footnote, so this is not me being a genius and coming up with this <laughs> myself. But um, in the manifesto, it mentions uh, taboo into totem, yes. of, like the way cannibalism yeah. is treated, and this is specifically coming from Freud of how like primitive, uncivilized cultures treated things as taboo. So like like taboos, where it's like something that is, um, uh, I think like the a taboo. Um, it just means like forbidden, like really like a ritual, like sacred object or something, right? Mm -hmm. But then when it gets totemized is when you get this more like civilized patriarchal kind of thing is like the way that the footnote was describing the way that Freud talks about this process. Mm -hmm. And so um, like Oswald is like sort of going against the sort of totemization of a Brazilian identity of cannibalism, of art of everything else and therefore going against a patriarchal view of it as well and like embracing all of these like goddess figures within yeah. the text like there's a lot of really cool like magic and religious imagery in yeah. this manifesto so if you're a a person who likes that kind of thing like this isn't a dry atheistic communist <laughs> this no, has a lot of, like, no. interesting theology no it's very yeah mystical and mystical yeah, because like I I don't know it, what his religious beliefs were, but um, like there's a lot of mixing of like irreverent um, views of Christianity. Yeah, in, it's in, kind in of it's well. very syncretic. Yes, like yeah. you know, um, I mean, a lot of yeah, I guess a lot of like South American um, and like Mexican culture still is very like syncretic and yeah, you know, mm -hmm. you're. Europe was like that like many hundreds of years ago, but it was 
it was like really interesting, you know, that like there was a certain tolerance of like the people just kind of going about believing in like their old gods or old tales and sort of just like fixing them into parts of Catholicism, like however they needed to do (laughs) it, you know. And unfortunately, like it was cracked down on a lot. Um, Yeah. But at one point, it was pretty cool, you know, that you could kind of be both. <laughs> yeah, that still goes on a lot in, um, uh, like, like the um, in like the the Caribbean mm-hmm. um, a lot with like the um, uh, like the Yoruba um, where you have the Orishas. Yeah, and Brazil, yeah. like yeah. Bahia, has a lot of yeah. that kind of practice still. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's noteworthy because um, it is um, the the two main figures that kind of took Oswald's thought like onwards were like the concretists, concretist mm-hmm. poets. So uh, Augusto and Arodo de Campos, and there's like the 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 ones that mostly took Oswald seriously. And it's like no, this this is actually more interesting than the stuff Mario was doing. And <laughs> Um, they they men- uh, Augusto actually mentions that uh, in his later works, Oswald like talking in, in like his utopian cycle, and it's like um, th- th- this is also a quote this uh, feminizing look or outward or uh, outlook, and uh, Augusto mentions that it was a kind of matri un- matri anarchism, uh, yes. terrible Ooh. for an ideal civilization. That's very her land. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think that's super interesting because I think the way modernism is or was taught like when I was an art when I was an art history major in undergrad modernism like Eurocentric modernism was currently being like dismantled by feminist postmodernism. And, you know, there was very much the 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 like genius of the artist, the genius that is always a man, the genius that's always a white man, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the sort of, it was still like very much the like enlightened man, like Rousseau. Um, and it's really interesting that this is like a modernist movement that has already kind of gone there, you know, that I was already like rejecting yeah. that Eurocentric model of like the great white thinker, even well. though, also, maybe not. <laughs> well, the, the problem in, in is... In theory, theoretically. <laughs> the it, it's is, also not... Oh, sorry, sorry go ahead, Frank. <laughs> uh, Oswald is like the defeated party, so to speak. Mario was the more successful one <laughs> and the more founding one. We so... love the underdog here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, I do yeah. agree Oswald is cooler and more interesting because, yeah. well, again, Oswald became a communist. So Yay. that's bonus points. But Yeah, like... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go no, no, go ahead. Um, yeah, I was also going to say that, like, the the way that, like, the goddesses and, like, women or, you know, whatever in this manifesto, they're not these, like, nurturing, like, you know, like, normally, like, if someone's going to go, like, anti-patriarchal and talk about a female goddess, like, or whatever, like, it's always this, like, Gaia Yeah, type. it's like my yeah. vagina is a flower. <laughs> and I'm the nurturing as opposed to the warlike, and it's like... No, that's not what's happening here, like, at all. Like, everything in this is this, like, almost has this, like, righteous violence inside of it that's, like, ingrained into, like, and I don't mean violence as in, like, 
quote unquote savage, but there's this sort of like unbridled energy and wrathfulness inside a lot of um, the, the figures, at least like, like, like there's like this like great snake or, or something that I was mm-hmm. like, hell yeah, great snake. Like I, I'm, I was here for it. Um, so yeah, like I, I thought that that was interesting that he didn't then just lean into a like hyper nurturing Gaia mother earth type of yeah imagery a- against a patriarchal kind of image. Yeah. There's the, the there's a generalizing point when, when he brings them up because these are very different figures that, that show up in a variety of different mm-hmm. indigenous and, and Tupi groups, but it's, it, there's a sort of respect to it. That's like, although he's bringing them together, he's not like trying to make them into something else. Yeah. Um. In the brief descriptions and, and moments that he brings them, but it's like these should be figures that we think about more rather than you know what kept coming from Europe about these missionaries from this catechism. It should be something else. Should be something that's also pro- processed and devoured here. We should cannibalize our own culture too. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing is sacred. <laughs> Do the autophagy thing, like I mentioned, where it's like this regenerative self-cannibalizing that keeps mm-hmm. things fresh and good and healing. Yeah. I mean, we're always shedding, you know, we I guess we shed our skin completely every seven years or something, like a snake like a great snake. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all just great snakes? Aren't we all just big snakes? <laughs> <laughs> just getting all tangled up, swallowing each other all the time. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) I am single. (laughs) ISO, great big snake. (laughs) Yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) To Ouroboros with. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) What that Ouroboros do. Yeah, exactly. God. Oh my God. Sorry. Got us. Uh, so no, thank you. Track. Actually. <laughs> oh, something that I, I I record and something that I that is in the text that I want to mention. Yeah. He, Oswald says that we we need to take the the anthropophagic vaccine. Mm. Ooh, um, yes, yeah. Talk about it. And there's such a cool image of like because I'm I'm generally speaking very wary of like primitivist images or purely primitivist you know ideas or projects like that it's like you know it's like it, it is about bringing these elements together of like these cultures these ideas into as a, a sort of contemporary modern element it's like a vaccine an anthropophagic vaccine it's like such a a wild image or concept i was like oh this is so cool <laughs> i kept reading this i was like holy crap this is good <laughs> yeah like not just a choice that you make to start doing this thing, but no, we have to inoculate like yes. everyone so that like you have to, you have no choice to now. Like you like the sort of like you have to put it through society. You can't just leave it up to choice. You have to Yeah. Like the COVID vaccine, you have to get a booster. Like for this your- is what protects you against colonialism. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, because you know that that kind of stuff, you know, your uh idealism fades. And then you have to go in and get like a little cannibalist manifesto booster every six months. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's this public concern. It's like, no, we we all need 
to be inoculated yeah, you, with you it. You get like a the what is it the smallpox like yeah. chunk taken oh, out of yeah, your arm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love that. It. I mean, it definitely feels very communist adjacent. You know, the public concern of like being educated about these things and like ways of educating people and talking to people about this. You know, like this manifesto is very. I think it's pretty accessible because it's like irreverent and it's fun to read. It's definitely not dry. Short um, sentences. Oh, no. And like with the footnotes for me, it was, you know, extremely helpful. But if you're Brazilian, um, you would already know most of these things. And like at least some of them. <laughs> yeah. Or imagine I'm imagining like, uh, you know, like the way they would read Marx in like the South if people were illiterate is like they would just read everybody oh. would read together and talk about it, you know. I got the and marks could, of capitalism on my body. You <laughs> yeah, know? you could just that read, fire shit right there. Read the cannibalist manifesto, you know, out loud you've, in the in the commons. <laughs> <laughs> you've you've activated my trap card. Uh yes. <laughs> because you've brought up uh, another He's not as big, but he's still pretty big as the Brazilian literary critic and analyst, which is uh, Roberto Schwartz. And he had a, well, his main like, conceptual idea, which one is like, I've, I, the, the note is, I haven't read it yet. Uh, someday I might, but I just find <laughs> this it, it a dog shit point. Um, okay. And as I read some of the, the criticism about, because he had a lot of criticism about Oswald, I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> There's some reverence there, but it's like, oh, still. Um, but his main conceptual innovation, if you can call it that, is the idea of misplaced ideas. Mm -hmm. that, um, and there's there's a sort of seductiveness to the point that's like, oh, um, you know, to take the example of Brazil, right? Um, you know, we read Marx, you get these Marxist ideas and you try to implement them or use them in Brazil, but like they're they're misplaced. They're they not fit for Brazil because they're they're exogenous. They're they're from Europe, they're from uh, that particular time and place. The problem is there's no essential idea, um, which is you know the problem here. Uh, as a self-respecting historian, there's no pure <laughs> Marxism at the, at, 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 to the extreme level. Any idea is misplaced, and, yeah. it, and they arrive as something else. They arrive transformed. They're never implemented or thought or received identically. Uh, that's the bit I I worked a little bit with. Uh, history of ideas or history of uh, mentalities and uh, I did a brief research on the reception of evolutionary ideas in 19th century Brazil extremely <laughs> wow. dry reading uh, but it's very cool because it's like oh the, these people are reading not even Darwin they're reading ah oh, what what is his fucking name Quatrefage de Beer and uh, a bit of Lamarck and other stuff and, and these different people and it's like building something weird connecting them and, the, and then the, there's Darwin and then they try to implement it together with the mark and they're not excluding each other so the, the point is like there's no such thing as like oh or at least I, I don't I find it a dog shit concept because uh, <laughs> it doesn't explain anything uh, that, that's the point right like it's they, they're always misplaced but that's not a privilege or not an exclusivity of Brazil or anywhere else because right. ideas travel and they become something else when they travel because there's no capital I platonic idea of Marxism or whatever beforehand. They are in transformation and in process. So to say that's like, oh, but 
um, and as a like a criticism to Oswald, and it's like, oh, but you the, you can't really do this like with this because like you're gonna get these ideas, but they're gonna be misplaced. They're not gonna make sense. It's like we're gonna make them make sense. We're gonna eat them. We're gonna digest <laughs> them. And we're gonna That's shit the them only out. way to make them make sense is to eat them. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, I mean this piece that we're reading is misplaced because it's translated by someone yeah. <laughs> and isn't you, that lovely it is you both will be so happy to learn that i found the quote from earlier <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> thank god <laughs> i know but those who came here weren't crusaders they were fugitives from a civilization we are eating <laughs> because we are strong and vindictive like the Djibouti which I think is how you pronounce that, but I might be wrong. Uh, but I love the idea of they, they are fugitives from a civilization that we are eating, like, the, like this like cross, like trans-directional um, cannibalism that like, like it's not the civilization that's like, they're, it's not that they brought the civilization over and then it's being eaten. No, it's being eaten over there. Yeah, it's really yeah. that they're like, we have yeah. to run away from being eaten over there by you and then we're coming to you and then yeah. you're going to eat us over here too. Yeah, and that that's makes, really fascinating. That makes so much sense because you, you've had massive immigrant waves to Brazil and of mm -hmm. the most extreme variety of culture. And, you know, it's uh, as much as, you know, those previous narratives, you know, uh, the whites, the indigenous peoples and these uh, enslaved black peoples, uh, you, as, as time goes on, that makes become something else yeah mm -hmm. like um there's on page it's it, where it says um on at least in our document that we've been reading page 43 uh, we're and you mentioned earlier we are concretists concretists yeah concretists. ideas take charge react and burn people in public squares <laughs> let's get rid of ideas and other paralyses by means of roots believe in signs believe in sextants and in stars i was like that's fire right there. Yeah, like uh, yeah. the ideas take charge, react and burn people in public squares. Let's get rid of it. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Roosevelt gets it. He gets it. He's yeah. He's pretty fire. It's yeah, <laughs> I, I love this. Like I want to read so much more of his work now after reading this. Like, I think he just has like an, uh, the way that he uses language um, to, like just it's so direct it's really fantastic and it's also extremely elaborate like reading it in portuguese like it's so um the expression doesn't translate as well but it's like this purplish prose that is mm. like mm -hmm. decorated and and worked upon to a great degree and it's like it's a kind of a little uh <laughs> contradictory not really but like with this idea on modernism it's like no we we're actually doing like this Brazilian culture and fighting against like these um, these other ideas. It's like all oh, this art for art, and uh, which was the the previous one of like Parnasianism. It's the mm -hmm. the big enemy uh, of the modernists at that point, and it was this decorated language, this purple prose, and like also like takes it, but like digests it into something else, mm -hmm. and that's. Yeah. That's a frequent complaint uh, when by, by critics. It's like they, oh, he he was good at capturing certain things, but you know, it he wasn't uh, also that great, or or something like that. It's like, oh, but it's uh, 
he's not that good sometimes. Like, well, yeah, but not it, it's not being good or being that weird and strange is the point, actually. Um, the um, one of the the concretists, I, I don't remember if it was Augusto or Arodo, because they the uh, two or three generations after Oswald, uh, and one of them was read and, and criticized by Schwartz, one, one of his, like, because the concretists as poets, they made these visual poems that, like, build on different readings and images, like these very interesting poetic creations. And one of the poems uh, Schwartz, like, just doesn't like is, like, oh, this is shit, and, like, goes into it for a couple of different reasons. And um, uh, the author pretty much goes like, you yeah, know, he he likes my uh, what? How's the, how does the quote go again? Um, he likes everything about me except the poetry in my poetry. So he doesn't like the poetry, right? He doesn't like, but the point. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that con- uh, the Concretists was a uh, mostly like a Brazilian-led movement. That's really cool. Uh, there might be other concretists, but I'm only yeah, aware of yeah, the Brazilian yeah. one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For reference sake. <laughs> See, we've been going about an hour, including the time that I will edit out of me being like, Ugh, like trying to look <laughs> for something. Um, what other sort of maybe final thoughts or other things do we want to bring up about our, our boy Oswald and mm. his manifesto? I wanted to bring up something about uh, the painter again. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Do- Amaral. Yeah. Um, so I watched. A, um, she actually had a pretty big show at MoMA um, mm. a while back. And I watched this video where they talked to the curator. And she was talking about how at one point. So now they. She, there was a big show, and now they have some Tarsia do Amaral paintings in their uh, collection. And I think, like, her work is pretty often shown, just, like, in the general, like, modernist collection. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talked a lot. And th- this reminds me of our um, episode, two episodes ago, that, you know, she was a, a friend of Picasso's and of Brancusi's. She studied in Europe, and she said she did kind of like a like her military training in Cubism, and then went back to Brazil <laughs> and like took everything she learned about um, the various art movements there, and then you know used more like Brazilian subjects to paint um, once she got back to Brazil. But um, so the curator was talking about like this piece, uh, the moon that's in their collection mm-hmm. that's shown. Um, in a room with Brancusi and Picasso and how at one point that work would have been shown kind of like I'm putting this in highly in quotes ghettoized into like a South American or Brazilian show only or like a wing that's about South American work um, but now it is in just like the general modernist wing <laughs> mm. um, because they have, you know, like looked at her work and, you know, realized that like this is a person who was a contemporary of all of these modernist painters who wasn't like just kind of randomly painting in Brazil like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Like she was very aware of all of the movements happening in Europe and then bringing them back to Brazil and like yeah. making her own work and can yeah, 
eating, cannibalizing <laughs> the various movements that she learned about, and then, you know, painting like naked Brazilian women and Brazilian plants and Brazilian animals in her work. And I just thought that was really interesting because it was like basically this manifesto, you know, a de- hundred years later. And now there's a painting, you know, of by Tarsia in the MoMA, just like next to a Picasso. And then, of course, I was like, wouldn't it have been nice if a certain Hannah Gadsby (laughs) 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 had actually thought about that kind of work and like what that means, like what it means to be a Brazilian woman to travel to Europe. And I know she was a she was a wealthy Brazilian woman, so. I just want to put that in a caveat, but you know, to travel to Europe and be a a friend of Picasso's, um, and you know, make her own work and like how cool that would have been if like you know if curators were thoughtful about like where they place this kind of work in the context of like art history. There's a lot of you, them aren't. Um, <laughs> I, I I want to mention something about it, but you've also you've activated a, a convenient another one another, another one. You've got like your uh, whole Yu-Gi-Oh! And another deck, one, like. yeah. Then it's about Picasso. Uh, yeah! But uh, a, a great friend of mine, an art historian, an archivist, uh, Nadja, uh, she has a podcast on uh, art history. Yeah. And, uh, oh, cool. Did, uh, Imaginarium podcast. Okay. And uh, she did an episode on Baya, the Algerian artist, who uh, Picasso stole a great deal of her yes. inspiration and work. And uh, that was my first uh, contact. It's like, oh, so that's a pretty big reason why Picasso's terrible. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> beyond the, the rest. So I, I also I want to recommend that. Uh, it's it's a wonderful podcast and it's a wonderful episode. Ba- it, just via uh, the episode. Uh, I'll give you the link. Great. But it's Thank just, you. yeah, it, it's like what is actually engaging with art and these terrible artists is, you know, the other people involved who did much more interesting and better work. Sure, yeah. And uh, that's kind of the point. And, like, uh, in regards to Tarsila, it's interesting because the, the Tarsila became, like, the visual uh, uh, analogy or comparison to, like, this modernism in Brazil. But the literary Mayu was still bigger or is still more distinct and is still more significant of modernism in Brazil more than her visual work. So as much as her work is still huge and really, really important and really well known, it's still like, yeah, that's modernism, but proper modernism is Mario beforehand. Mm-hmm. So it's these ways that even within like the key people involved in, in Brazilian modernism, there are still these power imbalances. Right, yeah. That, you know, still misogyny, sexism, it's, it's still continues uh so that's why i i think it's important to to mention that as well and uh, i'm glad that you brought it up thanks (laughs) i would say my little final thinky thoughts is um thinky thinky (laughs) thoughts i always say that every episode i'm like do we have any other thinky thoughts um is uh as as someone who has an english degree um as well i just like the the line to p or not to p t-u-p-i to p um, that is the question, because I believe in the original untranslated text, that is in English, because yes. it's obviously it's, it's from Hamlet, to be or not to be, <laughs> that is the question. And so I love that, and this is the, like, so the way that this manifesto is structured, um, it'll be like, short little sentence, dot, 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 
another statement, you know, <laughs> stars divider. And it's like the very third one is just 2P or not 2P. That is the question. And I love this, not just because I'm a, I love Hamlet more than life. I am Hamlet. Let's be real here. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. I'm just a neurotic maniac. Um, but that it is already right up front demonstrating that Oswald is not just writing this manifesto about this is how we should be cannibalizing the the colonizers culture that they keep bringing over here he's actively doing it in the manifesto the mm-hmm. manifesto itself is an act of cannibalism because all of these theories and stuff as well that he's bringing up like the communism like um, all of like the french philosophy stuff that that that's not from brazil and so no. it's like all of like it's not just a manifesto that's telling us what we should be doing. He's demonstrating how you should do it. This is not just manifesto. This is instructions. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I like that. Yeah. But I I just got excited because I like Hamlet. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was very clever. I was like, "Eh, see what you did there. Yeah, because he's referencing. I mean, he's throwing out names left and right, you know, where it's like, Hey, I know who Rousseau is. I studied him. I know who Freud is. I studied him. But like, here's where I'm going to tell you that like Rousseau looks at a bunch of dead plants and, <laughs> you know, and feels like he needs to like taxonomize them. But I have a bunch of beautiful plants in my backyard, you know, like it's really beautiful. I won't go on a, 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 a deep, deep rant about taxonomy as someone <laughs> who has a master's degree in it maybe oh, there's wow. a cannibalism and taxonomy yeah uh, episode in there yeah because like my um so like i'm a librarian my master's degree is in library and information science but what i focused on was cataloging and metadata of which like taxonomy is is part of i'm literally on a taxonomy on a thesaurus that tucker carlson got mad at um this is this is true facts like i taxonomize for a living and i deeply hate taxonomies and they are very colonialist and come out of Mm -hmm. often victorian sexology and other like weird medicalizing bullshit like there's some really great work that the librarian emily drabinsky has done on using like queer theory and the politics of corruption to talk about the link of like controlled vocabulary and taxonomy with it's like pinning down of identity. Ooh, pinning down because it's like it makes me I, think now of, of butterflies, butterflies and birds. Yeah, because <laughs> you know there's a lot of yeah shift in like taxonomy now with birds and you know mm-hmm. like the names of birds are are often you know named for dead white assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> or are like very wrong you know just like totally incorrect and weird and don't make any sense but anyway that's this is all tangent yeah all i right. mean um <laughs> do you I'll have also, any any yeah 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 <laughs> another brief reference on taxonomy there's yes. the um the Borges uh short story oh, essay yeah. um the analytical language of john wilkins I love Borges. Yeah, Borges <laughs> is the best. I love uh, Borges. We did an episode of Library Punk on uh, on Library Babble. Yes. Obviously, that's I love, I love that episode. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I fucking love Borges. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I like how Oswald talks about taxonomy um, and how it is an act of 
or can be used as an act of violence mm-hmm. as this yeah. way of like, you know, all of these things like weren't separate before the colonizers came where they were viewed in a different way. And then the colonizers came and like fractured a bunch of stuff and yeah. then was like, drew the little boxes around it and went, that's this thing. That's this thing. That's this thing. Like literally it says like catalogs in here. It says taxonomy. Like it's, it says these words in this manifesto. Mm-hmm. So this isn't, this isn't me just being a, an asshole librarian. No, conjecturing. Stop. Absolutely not. Um, so yeah, like I, I find that interesting and I feel like that's something that we now in the 21st century, especially as queer people should be thinking about is how much we latch onto taxonomy as safety and we need to cut that shit out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's be cannibals instead. How about that? <laughs> in, in our, in our developing politic of this podcast um stop that shit (laughs) it's burned the museums down stop that shit um and we'll get a third one here soon i bet yeah (laughs) be a weird we love to be a weird little guy we a weird little guy be a weird little guy always appropriate yeah yeah frank do you have any final thoughts um i i suppose i'll I'll do it in an osvaldian manner that okay what i've been trying to do i guess is sort of devour a bit of this Ooh. this history of uh, very briefly or quickly from for my intents and purposes of you know the, the brazilian modernism and try to like digest it and, and also present it while also devouring it and in this podcast it's like trying to do this effort of like okay there's this past and these narratives and so much inside brazil talking about it and like how do i work to to present this to a non-Portuguese speaking audience. Um, so so this effort to both bring this that that's being that was made, that was is being made, is being produced and considered and thought about and devoured as well in, in an interesting way to to offer it as well uh in a true and positive international manner. So you're yeah. a true cannibal. Hell yeah. Right? Yeah. I I will make a, a final comedic remark then of all the things I never expect to be in a podcast about cannibalism, cannibalism is <laughs> one few things that really <laughs> irk me out. Yeah. So, congrats. Yes, Le- Leon told me as much. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I don't know if Frank is going to want to be on your podcast. Wow. <laughs> the one thing that was able to bring me. So, congrats. Okay, Hell cool. yeah, we did it. We I was did like, it. oh, no. <laughs> and they went, wait. No, they said they're fine with it. Yes, this was so great, Frank. Yeah, thank you so, so much good. for, for coming you. on. Thank you so much for having me. It, it was um, a delight. Yes, like this is this is going to be great uh, when this comes out. I know, uh, I'm so it. excited. Um, yeah, so tell uh, everyone who's listening, all the, all the great little sickos and freaks who listen to our <laughs> podcast, um, where else they can find you and what else you're up to. Well, uh, generally speaking, I am found on Twitter at Frank Gothic, uh, but I, I also run two podcasts with the mentioned Leon. Uh, we do The Left Page, where we talk about literature and politics from a left perspective, of course, and Here Be Media, where we talk about the other stuff. So video games, <laughs> movies, a uh, lot of other stuff. Uh, both Jay and Kate were there, um, which is wonderful. So, and we love yeah, it. Go, Go check out where when Jay comes to talk about uh, Velvet Goldmine, 
when Kate with Leslie as well comes to talk about the recent interview with the vampire show. And on the left page, uh, when Kate comes to talk about uh, oh, the fractal Baudelaire. Yeah. I love that episode. Oh, what a great episode book. so much. I want to read that book now. You should read it. It's really good. Read it. It read sounds it. up my alley. Yeah. It's very fun. <laughs> and it's also, nice crimes, y'all talked about Crimes of the Future, oh, too. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, it's because yeah. I wasn't there. Yeah, Frank was like, nope, body horror? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, had to had to know part of that one, but still an amazing show. Like, hi. Thank you. It was a joy to listen to. Thank so you. So you can find us at Left Page Pod on Twitter and on Patreon, where we have early access for stuff and reading stuff uh, that I have been meaning to write, and there's one that I might write over the next weekend. So maybe there'll be some stuff to read, uh, yes. and hopefully more soon. Uh, and you can find that on patreon.com forward slash left page. And that's where you can support us if you can. If you can't, that's fine. And all of that will be in the the notes of the podcast yeah. once it gets posted. All those links, Ooh. those little linky links. Linky links. And we have a Twitter that you can follow us on, which is tender underscore subject. We currently have 69 followers. No nice. one has follow us. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, so nice. bring us to 169. Um, and then that you works. can find us on Instagram at tender subject pod. Um, and I do a collage with every episode, which is fun and a good way to get my ass in gear to make work. And um, Jay has is going to do some things as well, I think. Um, we're trying to think of it as a yeah just sort of an expansive project. once i move and like have free yeah. time again i don't have a six-hour round-trip commute exactly Ooh. yeah, yeah no a I'm, sucky I'm, commute it's it's it sucks and not in any sort of fun way yeah, um, yeah. reading reading podcast maybe mm-hmm. you could do all of that yeah i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mainly shoot the shit with people on the down easter oh that's kind of fun yeah, no, it's it's not the worst thing in the whole world. It just all takes right. all of my time and life. Yeah, away from that's me. a lot of time per day. Yes, like ridiculous. But yeah, I'm moving in a month, and we'll have uh, a life again. So woohoo! Yeah, I want to do some like um, analog video art and video synthesizer yes. art related to this. I have a bunch of CRT TVs Ooh. down in my laundry room. I kind of get rid of most of them because I'm moving, but I will keep a couple. Are they all just going to say body is reality? (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. That's the podcast. (laughs) Folks.